Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding, and today I have a very special guest, Chase, who's a co-founder of Electric Eye and also the host of the Honest E-Commerce podcast, which is one of Shopify's picks for the best business podcasts. Chase, I'm going to let you do your own intro, and then we'll, we'll dive into today's topics with everyone. Absolutely. It's really fun being on this side of the mic, I guess, or even this, this software. Me and Brad use the same software for recording our podcast, which might be where most of your listeners know me from. I am Chase Clymer. I'm the host of Honesty Commerce. Uh, we're one of Shopify's picks for best business podcast, uh, which I think uh, is a fantastic uh, gift that they've given me uh, of, of that title. But also, I'm a co-founder of Electric Eye. We focus all of our energy on building amazing Shopify themes and optimizing existing stores. So a lot of uh, design development uh, and kind of optimization is our playbook these days. Um, and uh, been in this ecosystem for six or seven years now. And the Shopify ecosystem specifically, e-commerce is fun. And let's let's chat about it. Cool. Well, uh, so those that listen, I tend to bounce back and forth between in the weeds, conversion tracking, like it could be post-purchase tracking or what's going on with the Facebook cappy or what are TikTok tracking changes happening. And then I try to sprinkle in CRO related podcasts and how to extract insights out of data and apply it to initiatives on site. And that's why you're on here today is to help help us dig into the CRO aspect. So to kick things off, what is the number one system a brand should build? And you, you helped tee, tee up this initial question for me, but as we just start to get in the conversation and analysis and CRO, but yeah, what's your number one system that a brand should think about building? Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly these days I've had that question on my kind of like podcast one sheet. That's a little insider secret for all of you listeners out there. <laughs> when you're getting on different podcasts, like you'll give someone a cheat sheet. And so my original answer to this, which I'll I'll go ahead and go into it now, was uh, a content creation system. Right, as a brand scaling. Um, they tend to run into this issue, and we find this all the time with clients, leads, or processors, people we're talking to out in the, in the ecosystem, is when they get a certain point and they actually have to like start to test creative with their social media ads or they're upping the number of campaigns they're sending through their email software, they don't have the creative to support it because they didn't realize they needed it. And the velocity at which you need to create that content when you kind of are in that scaling phase is way different from kind of the startup phase. And so heed my warning at this point, if you're a younger brand, you're starting to get some traction, you need to start to build out these systems to where you can get content from a few different sources very rapidly so your team can use it in doing that whole marketing and advertising side of the business. So what I'm talking about here is like video and photography and kind of any other content that resonates with your audience and that your brand can use in, in its marketing efforts, right? I know some really creative brands these days that are actually launching like video series and like even podcasts in the direct and consumer space is like really cool and interesting that I've seen a few brands do now. But you need to start building out these systems so you can use it in those marketing efforts. And there's kind of three ways or three systems you should keep in mind, I guess, is, is what I usually tell people. First, 
do it yourself. You got to figure out something that your company can do internally. You know, is that blog posts? Is that an editorial calendar with photo shoots that you guys are handling internally? You know, is it a podcast? Whatever it is, it, it really depends on your audience and your customers, right? Like, let that tell you the type of content you should create. But you need to have an internal system to where you always know that you will have new stuff coming, right? So you got to figure that out. Then work with a partner on it to get a different angle on it, uh, maybe a different type of photography. Maybe they're really good at like, you know, the lifestyle stuff out in the weeds or, or you partner with like an influencer and they're giving you some really cool stuff and start to get, you know, one of those systems built out so you can get that stuff coming in as well. So now your team can have like two different sources to test stuff. And the third one, which is very often overlooked, is ask your customers for it. User-generated content, UGC. Everyone loves that phrase, right? Ask your customers for this stuff. They will give it to you. I mean, they're probably already tagging you on Instagram or whatever social media platform with them enjoying and loving the product. Just respond to that. Be like, hey, can I use this? Do I have your permission to use this? It's as simple as that. And then there are some softwares out there that'll help you collect that stuff. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but if that's a problem you have, I'm sure a quick Google can sort you on that. Everyone who listened to my the last episode, which was with Andrew Ferris and... That his interview was last week. And that was one of his biggest recommendations or insights as well was creative, creative, creative. So now that's two, two of the smartest in the industry, just double, double dipping on how important creative is and building out the process because there's just so much that you need to get out and test because 75% of the creative that you test is just not going to work. What well, doesn't matter if you're B2C, B2B, doesn't whatever you're advertising, your creative is not going to work. And usually what you think is going to work there's bias there. And usually what you don't think is going to work ends up being the best. Oh, absolutely. And it's honestly just test everything because it's very often overlooked. And there was this like leftover, I don't know really how to describe this, but there was this kind of sentiment that you could kind of get away with doing like a photo shoot or a video shoot once a quarter and you could run that on Facebook forever and you'd still be profitable. Those days are long gone. Uh, it, that's not the thing. You have to test things. Your people are used to Facebook ads. They're used to Instagram ads. And they, if it gets stale, it's going to get stale fast. And those platforms are so smart now is when they see the ad getting stale through the metrics that they're reading, they all they start to bury it and then your costs go up. And that is going to cost you more money to keep running things that aren't working. So you said that was your old answer, I believe. So what's the new answer? I think the number one system a brand should build uh, goes back to the startup phase, right? And it's honestly finding a consistent almost switch you can turn on to generate more sales, which is the hardest system to build as well, right? It's finding product market fit. That is the hardest thing in the world. But you need to you need to kind of build that system out. And it's something to where a lot of startups or now it's at this point, it's not even a startup. It's like kind of a founder in their product and they're being scrappy and they're figuring it out. And finding product market fit is unfortunately the founder's struggle have fun with that. And you're going to have to do that yourself. Nobody out there, I believe this wholeheartedly, no agency can help you find product market fit. I think it's very rare that a freelancer or consultant could help you find product market fit. And I also think that it is also probably detrimental to your profitability to have someone help you find product market fit if they are not a co-founder in the company. Yeah. All right. Short and sweet. I like it. I agree with it 100%. Let's jump into conversion rate optimization now. How do you blend CRO initiatives? So you started talking about creative and testing all the different variations of creative. And I love the podcasting angle for D2C brands as well. But how do you blend the CRO initiatives with any of this content creation, creative, podcasting, et cetera? 
Yeah, well, uh, these days we play very nice, right? So we only, at the agency, I guess, right? We only hang out on like kind of the theme side of things. So design development and like optimizing that experience, right? Because that's the best creative in the world, the best advertising team in the world. If they're sending that awesome traffic, that's probably cheap because they're great at what they're doing and you got awesome creative to a garbage experience, it's not going to convert, right? So like, None of these KPIs exist in a bubble. They all interact and affect each other. And so what we do at the agency is we're all about optimizing that store experience for your customer. And there's billions of ways to do it. Uh, and a lot of it's kind of learning. And we can kind of dive in a bit more on in it. But like there's, there's a lot of stuff that comes into it, right? So there's like all the technical stuff within CRO. So you're talking about like site speed, talking about browser testing and, and device testing. There's, you know, a perfect example here is if you've got a product that's used by maybe an older demographic, they're probably using an older browser, potentially even one that's not very much supported anymore. And if you start to look at your analytics and you notice that, you know, oh, when people are using this browser, the conversion rate is nothing. Like, it's terrible. You know, now you got an insight of, where, okay, like, why is that? You go explore, you make a hypothesis, something's broken, right? So you fix that, and, you know, that optimizes that experience for that particular subset of customers. You have now made them more money, theoretically. Um, and so that's kind of the technical side of things. And then you've got kind of your tracking side of things. So this is where you're jumping into, like, heat maps and scroll maps and user recordings. So basically, Hotjar, it's my favorite tool in the world. Uh, install Hotjar in your store right now. Just do it. Uh, it it's so much fun uh, to kind of get in there and just see how people are using your website wrong. That's just, they are. <laughs> no one uses a website the way you think they do. Um, and then you kind of get into like the heuristic stuff. It's like, I'm an expert. I know I'm right, but no one wants to hear that. Uh, so <laughs> we try to come into it with like, okay, we know this is how it needs to be. And then we try to back it up with like technical data or this, this tracking data or qualitative data, right? So this is when you're jumping in and getting like surveys with your customers, user testing, like interviews, like and really getting into the weeds and like hearing it from the source. And you're like, yeah, your website doesn't work because of this or I almost didn't buy this way because of that. Yeah. So I'm going to break each one of those down a little bit. Let's go back to the device OS, which is a great insight. So open up Google Analytics and you can look at your browser OS report and see conversion rate that might be zero. There's a couple other things that we see and some of this actually can be bot traffic. We had a customer this week where they have a headless site and they have a bunch of variations, so hundreds of variations of Facebook ads and they notice that they're just getting these crazy spikes in quote-unquote traffic in GA that wasn't being blocked and it was impacting the conversion rate, it was going down. So we ended up having to do three dimensions. So looking at screen resolution and device and browser type and browser version, whatever it was, it was like three or four dimensions to narrow down and actually give them a granular level on, okay, what are all of these different devices? So number one, it goes, goes back to your point of, you can pick out if it's real traffic where the bounce rate isn't 95%. So if the bounce rate is your normal 60 to 70% and you have you know, more than a 1.2 average pages per session, which shows people are, some people are interacting. Conversion rates greater than 0%. Doesn't have to be 1% or 2%, but at least greater than zero. That can generally be that the real, like real traffic coming through. And if that's significantly below your averages, that's, I think, where you get browser stack or something like that, just to load up that different experience and see if you do have bugs or issues that, your demographics that are using that might experience. To kind of double down on that, like most agencies, including our own, 
we're not troubleshooting for every yeah. browser because nine times out of 10, there isn't going to be an issue and you don't have enough traffic to warrant it. But that's why, you know, your website's never done. It's a living, breathing thing. And after you get it live, you want to go back in and learn from it and start to see what's going on in analytics and start to make these hypotheses to go out and test and fix. Yeah. To go a little bit on the conversion tracking side, the more the the tech side versus the CRO side. So there's two things that we see when it comes to spikes in traffic or why doesn't Shopify sessions match GA sessions. So I'll go back to that example with the Facebook traffic. So essentially what ended up happening with this customer that was a headless site, the Facebook crawler that was trying to crawl all these landing pages and variations of it, I don't, it wasn't respecting the declaration on the robots.txt, which is basically, you know, limiting the crawl, like the crawl rate that the Facebook bot could do. So it just kept crawling, 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 and actually was crashing the site because the, it was spawning so many threads, which is pretty rare and random. I haven't heard of that before, but the analytics, all of their analytics data basically just got wiped out because it was not being blocked from GA. So you can, again, create a custom report, add a couple different dimensions together, and try to pick out where you have near 100% bounce rate, 0% conversion rate, one page per session, et cetera. And then you can create filters in GA to filter those out. We also see this in Shopify. So if we a common question we get is, why don't Shopify sessions match GA sessions, universal analytics sessions? And the most common reason is Shopify is not filtering out as much bot traffic as Google Analytics is. And you can do this inside of Shopify Analytics too, is you can add dimensions to your report of device, OS, version, I think there's a couple more, but again, you can see those spikes of, okay, at 1 a.m., there was a massive spike in traffic from this random browser and operating system that had zero across the board for all the metrics, no ad cards, no view contents, et cetera. That was, was most likely bot traffic that GA is automatically filtering out. So that was a really good, really good call out on the browser, user agent, et cetera, in terms of just analyzing data to extract insights on where to focus CRO efforts. The second point, so the Hotjar, agree, Hotjar, awesome tool. And I think the one thing that we've, I've spoken about years, even pre-Elevar, is one misconception I would see happen in Hotjar is you see, and I would do this too, you focus on everyone is clicking here. That's where I want them to go. That means the site's working perfect. So you have the heat maps, like the, I think it's purple, like purple show or blue purple shows what everyone is clicking on. But if you either A, you don't have conversion tracking set up in Hotjar, so actually have, you're passing that data back into Hotjar so you can get conversion data, or you don't have Google Analytics event tracking, you might go down a path. If you're looking at a landing page and you see a bunch of traffic people clicking on the main hero button or call to action that you want them to, but if that has a 0% conversion rate or it converts five times less than other CTAs on a page, even though it has a high click-through rate, it could actually be negatively impacting your conversion. So that's where we love combining that too. So combining the hot jar to understand everything that you outlined, combine that with Google Analytics event tracking so you can get that data together and make sure that the high frequency of clicks is also matching up with high conversion rate. If you pulled data in the hot jar, pulled any of that conversion data in the hot jar in the past, not many do. I mean, we rarely see when it. our clients will let us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes you are handcuffed by budgets, right? Yeah. And it's hard to make an argument for something that's more strategic than a direct, you know, sale enabler. But 
we've got some that let us do whatever we want. And, and those are the great clients. And if you are one of those clients, please reach out. Um, <laughs> when, when you're talking about jumping into analytics, something I remembered, like this is like a really easy test that almost every listener can do as long as they have analytics set up and it's okay, right? Is you can go do um, your uh, page views or, or sessions, whatever you want to call it, sessions versus uh, like sales. And like you'll find, basically look for high traffic pages that don't lead to conversions and figure out why ad call to actions push them into the sales funnel. And this is oftentimes found with like informative pages. So content about, you know, one of our clients, for example, they're in like the powerlifting community and they have a bunch a bunch of awesome free workouts, uh, you know, exercises and all that stuff on their blog. And we have been optimizing those blogs to send, you know, with call to action is to push people back into the sales funnel or, you know, a little bit of an easier ask is trying to get an email out of it. Um, and just finding those opportunities, like you'll probably see four or five pages on every, on your website. It's like, wow, I didn't even know this existed. Now you got to think, be strategic. How can we push these people, you know, a little bit down the funnel? Yeah, good uh good call. It's not always about the sale. One one interaction the money equals sale. So getting them on an email from the blog is a great point. If you had to start testing one thing on a landing page, and let's let's assume it's a collection-ish landing page or a a sales letter type of page where there's more content on it, what would be one thing that you would start testing? Let's let's assume you've done some of the hot jar analysis. I mean, what are some common things that you'd say, all right, if I just had to pick one thing to test here, here is what I would do. That's such a great question, but it's so like specific to yeah. <laughs> a, a customer or a product. But like I can point out some really obvious stuff. Like if you are sending a lot of traffic to like a, a, a single page, like a landing page or something, like, I, oftentimes people build landing pages just into their Shopify theme, but they like leave the menu at the top and the footer links at the bottom and like all these basically holes in your bucket, right? The way to think about CRO is you've got a bucket. And you want to put one hole in the bottom, and that hole is they buy it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but when you all the other links that live on the page, you're just stabbing holes in the bucket, and the water spraying out everywhere else, and not doing what you want them to. And that's why you see a lot of landing pages out there that the header is just a logo, and the logo doesn't even link, link back to the homepage. Yeah. You know, there's one way forward, and it's adding this thing to cart. And that that's like an easy thing to test, yeah. right? Is like, will this perform better if we get rid of all the other options, yeah. right? And they have to move forward. But like kind of like a grander suggestion and something that we have been taught. By the way, a lot of this stuff I'm talking about, it comes from Josh Frank from Test Triggers. He's an amazing guy. He coached us on a lot of our CRO stuff. Um, and one of kind of the attitudes we picked up from him around CRO is like, little tests are dumb. Like, let's make bigger changes because... The little tests are kind of not important and statistically not significant. And But if you're doing a few things at once and you're really making a change to where it's noticeable, like, you know, changing a button color, not really important. And especially you don't get the traffic to make that make that be important. If you're Instagram, you're getting a billion views a day. Okay, maybe that's important. But your website probably isn't doing it. But making some larger sweeping changes based upon the hypothesis that you've learned about how people are interacting with the website, what the analytics say, what the customers are saying, that's those make tests worthwhile. Yeah. I know Josh. He was a very early uh, LOVAR customer a long time ago. I don't know who it was, but uh, I think if I had to test one thing, if I could only pick one thing to test, it would be copy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think copy and in, in, in creative was like too easy of an answer. And I kind of just immediately ignored them. I've taken the easy way out with, with a copy, like headline and hook. So what's your hook? 
what's your, you know, fishing analogy of the hook, line and sinker? I mean, what's, what are you going to get people in that two to three seconds to can stop and continue? And, uh, oh yeah. Speaking of headlines, I saw this fantastic tweet and I really wish I remembered this gentleman's name, but he was talking about how to write an awesome headline. And it was basically take your reservations or your fears or doubts that your customers have about it and flip it and turn it into your headline. So I'm, you know, if people are scared that it, it won't work for them, be like, oh, our product is guaranteed to work for the thing they're scared of. Right. And it's just a cool little strategy to come up with headlines. Yeah. Yeah. While we're on the topic of CRO experiments and just testing in general, what are some example wins? So what are some of the biggest wins that you've seen? Big or small, doesn't matter, vertical, niche, et cetera. But yeah, what are some big test wins that maybe aren't, are a little bit out of the norm? Well, I kind of highlighted this earlier is people are going to use your website in a really weird way. And some of the biggest wins are just letting them click on things that they think are links. You will see this a lot in Hotjar is people are clicking on something and it, like it's going to come up like red or whatever the more clicked things are, but it's not an actual link. And people will get frustrated with that and just stop doing it because you know it makes them feel dumb. The website doesn't work the way they think it is. Get the rage clicks. Exactly. Rage click is such a great feature within <laughs> Hotjar. So just make things link and you'll see people moving forward in the funnel a little bit. So that was something really cool that we did. There's a lot of like really specific stuff that we did for clients. And I know Andrew would have a fantastic answer for this. Like within the last couple of weeks, we did we did some really fun stuff. But that blog thing, uh, we're, you know, this is like super in the weeds. So getting into that blog functionality and like trying to push people into sales, something that we're building out for for one of our clients is almost like stolen straight out of like the WordPress ecosystem, which like, do you remember like short codes from WordPress? Mm-hmm. Now with meta fields for Shopify, we're basically building that functionality in for our clients so they can just add a meta field of the product into whatever page and then they can put the short code wherever they want in their blog thing to make a pretty call to action to like go to that product page or add it to cart. Nice. And do you do a complete, would you test email sign up versus add to cart or would you put them together or do some sort of multivariate test between them or potentially show the add to cart if, if you recognize it's a returning visitor? Well, you just made my head go in like a good direction. Let's talk about testing and multivariant testing, right? Not to not answer your question, we are going to test a lot of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And we're also going to, with the call to actions on the email for all those workouts, we're going to turn the workouts into lead magnets and into PDFs and be like, we get this as a PDF, yeah, yeah. you know, have the pop-up message match what's going on on the page. That's 100% going to get them a better opt-in for the email stuff and then have the, on the product pages have the call to actions for the products featured in the articles. We're going to have to test like where we're sending that traffic. Like is it add to cart or like at or go view the product. We're going to have to figure that out. Um, but for as far as like traffic goes, then multivariant testing, I would say no brand under a million dollars can actually do A-B testing because they don't have the traffic. I'd say between one and three is rare that you actually get the traffic. And I'll double down into why it's like, correct me if I'm wrong here, if I'm talking out of my butt, (laughs) but like you need it to do the thing you want it to do. And most brands don't get enough conversions to get that statistical assurance for, or, you know, and there's a whole formula nerdy thing around it. And there's like some value. Yeah, exactly. And there's some cool resources on the internet. They'll tell you exactly how many you need to get, but it's probably more orders than you get in the time frame that you actually want to test this thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll politely push back a little bit on that. So the it is P value. VWO has a P value statistical significance calculator. I'll put in the show notes. Focusing on orders only, yeah, at a million dollars. If you aren't at a million a year, you know, run rate, 
if you just focus on revenue per visitor transactions, yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be a long test duration, and then you get into cookies resetting, and people are flipping between control and variance. And then you're also probably still making web updates to your website, and you're launching new yeah, products, yeah, yeah. and a lot of these things outside of the test are happening that are going to muddy the results. Yeah, but if you can move those, move the primary KPI up, so focus on product views or add to carts. That'll increase your total amount of conversions that can get you potentially into that statistical significance, uh, significant bucket. And then let's assume that all the results, they're not really valid because their test is going you know, a month long or whatever it might be. I think at the minimum, it can build that, build the behavior. So it's building that behavior of testing, iterating, don't just trust your gut and everything. So I think that even though if the tests are completely valid, just building that into a rhythm of, Okay, I woke up this morning, had a great idea. I want to implement, you know, change this entire page or change our homepage and just do it and not necessarily know the results of it. So I think that's where it's that mind shift psychology of getting into that testing behavior of just validating a hypothesis versus assuming that we're always right. This the one thing, just the getting into the mindset of testing and being okay with tests not having like a clear winner is half of the battle here. So if you have the traffic and you know you're moving into that scaling phase you're between like one and ten million a year and you're starting to spend more on ads and you really need to every test isn't going to be a winner mm-hmm. but every test that you do gets you closer to a winner and that one is going to pay for all the other tests that failed and you learn yeah and you just need to get into that mindset yeah one out of five one out of five tests yep. if you get one winner out of five then you're you're doing well and then going back to what you just set up like when you bat when you're like no you're chase what if you go up the funnel i agree with that that's yeah. absolutely right but you use a nerdy like statement of how you did it and i want to clarify it for the listeners that aren't as in the weeds as me and you so you said if you want to go to like page views it qualifies as a conversion i want to explain what you meant by that okay. so when you're in these tests and in analytics you can set up a conversion to be whatever the heck you want it to be and it's just the language that they use in the back end of this nerd software. But basically, <laughs> like a conversion isn't an actual they bought something. It could be like they did the action you wanted them to. So if the action is a page view in analytics, that's the conversion that you wanted. So just to clarify that a little bit for the listeners. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. I'm going to start calling. We're, we're, too, we're, we're too like <laughs> in it. And we sometimes we got to go back up to that, yeah. you know, freshman 101 level class. Yeah. And that's not everyone listening. This is that's for people not listening to this podcast. Everyone listening to this, you're uh, you're in the weeds. Uh, I was going <laughs> to ask you and just, maybe just share something that we actually we don't even have a full time marketer on all of our staff, but we use it on our blog and some some places. So there we use what's a tool called Write Message. I think CXL yeah, uses. Yeah, I know it. exactly what that is. So that's something if you have content and driving through blogs and signups and education is. Try looking at instead of just having the email opt-in, like, hey, join the other five million people on this list that's learning about you know what we do and what we sell, is you ask a question, like a yes or no question. So what we have, for example, a real example on some of our GTM blog articles, we have, are you a GTM novice or expert? Yes, or something like that. I can't even remember the example, but are you a GTM novice or expert? And someone selects. And then you let them self-segment. So once somebody answers a question, you do an action, you feel like you have to finish it. And that's part of this. The, and Write Message has a lot of good article. We're not affiliated with them at all, but a lot of good content around the psychology behind email signups. But you get them to answer like a yes or no question. And then you can ask them one more to, to ask a little bit more details about them and then prompt them with email. And they're like, oh shit, I already told them about myself and 
you know, what I'm interested in or what my style or whatever it might be. Yes, I want to sign up for this email. That's going to be very personal and specific to me. And then you can sync that data back to whatever, you know, Klaviyo, et cetera. And now you have a very highly segmented list. So yeah, it sounds like you've used right message or similar tools like that in the past. I don't think you can be in internet marketing and not know who Brennan Dunn is. Yeah. I double your freelancing got me kind of hooked on consulting and being a freelancer like many, many minutes ago. And I actually met some people that I were in a mastermind mm-hmm. at a double your freelancing conference that I think was in Norfolk, Virginia. This is eight years ago. I love his content. He, he's an amazing man. He's actually on my, he was like the second guest or third guest on, on Honesty Commerce nice. uh, way back in the day, right as he was launching Right Message. Nice. All right. So to, to wrap up, let's do one more topic here. What are a few, a few of the biggest failures that you've seen or personally experienced? It's just in marketing, growth, CRO, any of the above. Let's learn from, uh, learn from failure. Uh, yeah. I mean, let's see. I've made a million mistakes, right? I think a more recent mistake, this is like within the last kind of 90 days, uh, we have niched down a lot more at the agency. And it was kind of like, I think, a, a failure in my part as like a mindset thing of like, we can't just do one thing really well. Like we have to, like we used to do managed marketing services and stuff. And, and you know, it, we were kind of splitting our time and our, our processes and our messaging and like all this stuff was like double duty. And when we finally kind of went all in on our, on it, uh, everything got a lot easier and it got really easy to talk to people about what we do and what our offers are and like how we can help them. So I, I believe in the power of niching down and, and having a product that solves a problem for a very particular person or, or customer. I think that's very powerful. So definitely kind of believe in that. As far as our clients go, uh, I think uh, zero-party data, you kind of just talked about that a bit with right message, but the power of that and segmentating with automations, we're a little behind the eight ball on that. I think with doing it with our clients, I wish we were doing that a lot sooner for a lot of our clients. I don't know, man. Just <laughs> I think every you're going to make mistakes. Just yeah, start yeah. your business and, and get going. Like the mistakes are never going to put you out of business. Yeah. That's like one thing. Don't be scared of it. It's a learning. It's a lesson. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, we got we got a lot of failures here and mistakes. And uh, good the good thing with being in conversion tracking is we're going to have a lot more mistakes and failures as the whole industry evolves and changes. But this was great. I think a lot of amazing wisdom and nuggets here. Chase, how can everyone get in touch with you or? follow the podcast, et cetera. Uh, absolutely. Uh, if you enjoy my ranting and raving about e-commerce, uh, please subscribe to the podcast. It's Honest E-commerce on every place that podcasts are. We're also on YouTube. And we got a newsletter as well, if you if that's the thing that you like. Uh, but if you want to chat with us about you know, maybe building you a new theme or optimizing your existing store, uh, you can reach out at electriceye.io. Awesome. Chase, good stuff. Thanks for coming on. Brad, thanks for having me. See ya. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, we release two new episodes per week. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you subscribe and listen to your podcasts. I also have a favor to ask. I'd really appreciate if you could leave a comment or review so I can learn exactly how to improve future episodes for you. And last but not least, if you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn by searching Brad Redding at Elevar, that's E-L-E-V-A-R, or you can DM me on Twitter. My handle is I am Brad Redding. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks again.